0: Money, markets, investments. That's it. Get ready for insights, opinions, and discussions you will not hear at your local bank, on mainstream business television, or from Ivory Tower Advisors. My name is Adrian Harcimiu, and I am the Recovering Bankster. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Recovering Bankster podcast, your home for disruptions of ivory tower narratives on money, markets, and investments. As usual, Adrian here, back for another hosting duty of disruptions. Okay my friends, so in this round, I'm asking you to bear with me as I walk through a thought exercise with you. One that's really, for me, just as much as it is for you. I'll keep this short, so don't run away just yet. Hang in there. Alright, let's kick this thing off with taking a jaunt through Correlation Street, at the intersection of central bank interest rates and retirement. It's quite the desolate place, as I'm sure you can imagine, since very few people would make any attempt at associating the two. But let's take a walk there anyways. What on earth? Could central banks or interest rates have to do with retirement? Has Adrian finally slid out of his rocker? You know, I really don't know, but let's find out. Okay, so we all know of the financial crisis of 2007 to 2009. Most of us lived through it in some fashion or another. It's also no news that central banksters reacted to that crisis by lowering interest rates to nearly the ground floor, also known as zero. With that, let's feast our eyes down the street of central bank interest rates. Firstly, taking a look at the grand puba of central banksters, the US Fed. Between June 2006 and December 2008, that is a span of two and a half years, they dropped the federal fund's target rate from 5.25% to between zero and 0.25%. As you can see, that is the point where they created the upper and lower limits for the rate, for whatever reason. They left the rate on the floor until 2016. Closer to home, the Bank of Canada followed suit, of course, going from a rate of in August 2007, to a quarter percent in April 2009, although they started raising interest rates a bit sooner, getting back up to a glorious 1% by November 2010. That didn't last as rates dropped again in December 2014. Now sure, we can take a look at other central banks' rate histories, You know, the ECB, the Bank of England, the Swiss National Bank. But I think this is solid enough to continue this thought experiment from here. No point beleaguering the point any further. At this point, let's switch gears for a moment and pivot our gaze down retirement avenue. For years leading up to the financial crisis, there was talk about the pending wave of the retiring baby boomer generation whose years of birth fell between 1946 and 1964. This meant that the first boomers were going to hit age 65 in 2011, and presumably retiring at that point. So from there, and for the next 18 years, the span of the baby boom generation, we will be seeing wave after wave after wave of retirements. Doing some quick math, That is from 2011 to 2029. In other words, the last of the baby boomers will hit the mystical retirement age of 65 in 2029. Okay, and this is where the fun begins now. Let's extrapolate on this a bit. When heading into retirement, what do typical retirees do with their financial portfolios? Well, first, they realize they no longer have employment income, which means they need to replace their income stream. Too sweet. Okay, so they start by drawing on pension benefits, be they government or corporate pensions. And, of course, some have been blessed with building up RSPs and 401ks and superannuations and such, all of which have been invested in stock and bond portfolios throughout the years. Assuming they had astute advisors guiding them along the way, they've been shifting from a more aggressive strategy of portfolios overweight in stocks to a more defensive portfolio overweight fixed income paying bonds. This should have been done throughout the years, although that in itself I know might be a stretch of an assumption given the carnage we saw wrought on portfolios in the crisis. Are you still tracking with me so far? If you're still here, I'm going to assume yes. Now, let's take this a step further. When shifting to a more fixed income oriented strategy, what does that consist of? Well, first you need to dispose of, i.e. sell, some of your stocks. Naturally, one person doing so won't even register on the stock market tickers. Well, unless you're Warren Buffett, of course but you start sending wave after wave of sell orders into the markets to generate cash in retirement portfolios, suddenly you have markets inundated with 18 years of selling pressure that cannot be gobbled up by the smaller proportion of younger generations who themselves are struggling financially just to keep up. Let's not forget that there's not just private retirement accounts such as RSPs flooding with sell orders but public and private pension plans as well. Okay, well, let's think about this. I don't think the banksters, both of the central variety and the Wall Street types, were very happy about this notion. So what could be done to prevent this from happening? Make the retirement strategy unappealing. And how is that done? Lower interest rates. And what replaces the inclination to shift to fixed income investments? Why, just staying put in the stock markets, of course. Problem solved! Let's tie this up with a nice bow. Financial crisis leads to interest rates pushed down by central banks. Financial-industrial complex, whether before the crisis or after, notes the building pressure on stock markets with all the retiring boomers Pulling money out of already wobbly stock markets, which is a threat to their wealth as banksters. Something must be done. Low interest rates are already seen as being a deterrent to many streeters from piling more money into safer fixed income investments. And I realize you can't see me doing air quotes for safer. Hence helping keep more money and hence propping up said wobbly stock markets all the while building the stocks of wealth for many a bankster. As the first waves of retirees begin to prove this theory correct, it, that's the theory and the strategy, is deployed for longer. But this trade can't be kept up forever, so central banksters begin pushing up rates. Well, lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, the bargain-shopping retirees see the fixed-income investments promising better and safer returns come back into selling mode to shift their retirement strategies away from stocks and into fixed income. Well, naturally, this spooks some banksters into either ceasing the upward climb in interest rates or completely shifting gears back down. Talk about central planning of the economy, as I discussed in the last episode. Anyways, as I said, this is a mere thought experiment, which I wanted to share with the dark digital void. Hopefully someone is listening and thinking this through with me. Just know that I'm not trying to suggest anything in particular, nor provoke any plots. But before I close, I will grant one gaping hole in this thinking, and that's this. By selling out of the stock market and piling money into the bond market, retirees would have helped drive down interest rates even more, thus supporting or enabling the central bankster low-rate environment. So that begs the question, why would the banksters prevent the retirees from doing it on their, that's the bankster's, behalf? Perhaps this was a cost-benefit analysis, which said option A, the one pursued, was way more beneficial to the financial-industrial complex when compared to option B. Again, I'm not officially suggesting anything, I just want to provide some food for thought where others will not. Okay, so this wasn't exactly a quick thought experiment, but I just figure that the timing and the occurrences of the last decade or so are interesting for any inquisitive mind. Anyways, I don't have any solution for the end of this episode. If nothing else, set these thoughts on Percolate as you traverse the ever-increasing onslaught of the ivory tower narrative. Because I know... I'm just a ranting, recovering bankster. What do I know? Until next time, remember, be better, be inquisitive, keep your integrity, and see you at the pinnacle. And now, for the obvious but necessary disclaimer and reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and shall not be construed to constitute any form of investment advice. The views expressed are those of the host and or guest where applicable. Adrian Harasimu is a registered investment advisor with Align Capital Partners Inc. ACPI and the opinions expressed may not necessarily be those of ACPI. Adrian Harasimu also provides financial planning and insurance services and products through Atlas Galahad, EuroCorp or Age. As such, Depending on the product offered, Adrian may be representing different entities. Adrian will disclose the entity being represented. Information has been compiled from publicly available sources believed to be reliable, and all opinions expressed are as of the date of this podcast episode and subject to change without notice. The information is prepared for general circulation and has been prepared without regard to the individual financial circumstances and objectives of persons who receive it. You should not act or rely on the information without seeking the advice of the appropriate professional. The information contained does not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any security, investment fund, product or service content may not be reproduced without the expressed written consent of Adrian Harsini. Thank you for listening to today's episode.